Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. We're going to talk to carers today. Um, carers of family members or loved ones because it's a it's a full time uh, and an exhausting role. And uh, lis- uh, one of our listeners, Kevin, got in contact with us. Kevin, tell us about your situation. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing? Good. Uh, my situation is not bad if I could get respite. I'm looking after my wife for approximately 10 years now. Uh, my wife had a brain hemorrhage and a stroke. Since the pandemic, uh, we just can't get respite here in Mayo, in Bar anyhow. We had two respite beds in the Sacred Heart Hospital where my wife had been going for the previous eight years. And when the pandemic struck, two respite beds were closed down. Now, the HSC are telling us the pandemic is over, but the respite beds are not open. And I have exhausted every avenue that I could politicians, local politicians, Mike Kilkine, Councillor Blackie Gavin, both of them have brought it up at the HSC Forum. Senator Paddy Burke has brought it up with the Minister. I have been in touch with the Minister myself, and uh, two beds are still not open. And I haven't had respite now coming up on three and a half years. Three and a half years or weeks, did you say, Gavin? Three and a half years. That's, I'm talking about two and a half years of the pandemic yeah. and the year possibly before it so and a few months then. So there was two beds that, you know, anybody, I suppose, in, in your situation could use in, in this facility in Castle Barn. And how frequently, Kevin, you know, would you and your wife have been able to avail of the rest? two weeks a year. We might get a week in, in, in June and maybe a week in September, something okay, like that. So two and weeks a year. It, it gave us a break and a break from each other and a chance to recharge the batteries. Because as you said in the outset there, it is a tough job. Like Leo talks about, and I, I, it always rings loud in my head, about the people that get up early in the morning. Mm. We're, some of us people don't even get to bed. Some nights we get up early the next morning, we're up. And and it, it's, it's, tough. it's a tough job. It's a job that's, there's, there's great pleasure in looking after someone you care about. But by God, you have to look after yourself too, otherwise uh, it's not, you know, it all goes down with money. And uh, I know carers out there like myself, mentally and physically tired. And um, as I said, I've been in touch with everybody that I can be in touch with that could try and get these two beds open in the Sacred Hand Hospital. The Sacred Heart Hospital, Andrea, let me explain it to you. It was never, ever in my lifetime intended to be part of the University Hospital in Castlebar. During the pandemic, the only University Hospital took over one wing of it on a contract that I believe was for two years. That contract is long up. The only University Hospital has not handed back the St. John's wing to the Sacred Heart mm-hmm. Hospital. In the meantime, we're all locked in the jam behind it that used to use the facility. Yeah, and I imagine, I imagine, Kevin, for you and for for many others, like, you know, two weeks, it's it's not a very long period of time, but I'm sure for, for well, you and for others, break. it's it's it needed, it's badly needed. Yeah, it gives yeah. you a break and it gives you a chance to do things that you cannot do while you're caring for somebody. Like, as I said, my wife had a brain hemorrhage and a stroke. It's it's a full time job mm. caring for her, but there's nothing like say I just want to do up a room. I can't do it. I actually got it done there a couple of weeks ago while she was actually in hospital, 
and you know it's not a break and um, we need a break the hate these people in the HSC in Galway that are, are blocking our two beds here in Castlebar they'll go off on their four week holidays over the summer they'll recharge their batteries for the next 12 months but there's no thought for us at all no thought for us as carers and I, I don't know where I listen to politicians, let me put it this way. I listen to politicians and they appreciate what carers are doing and this, that, the other. Now, let me say at the outset, Andrea, I have been offered respite in nursing homes. I've been offered respite in Ballyhonas, Ballina, pick a nursing home in Castlebar. I don't want my wife to go there. I want her to go where she will know the people that have been looking after her. Everybody knows her in the Sacred Heart. They've all looked after her and looked after her well. And when I leave her there, I know I can go out the door of St. John's or St. Joseph's in the Sacred Heart Hospital. And I know my wife will be looked after. Mm. And I can go and relax and I can do, go and do what I have to do for that week. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the nursing home. No. But what I am saying is, why is it changing something that's not broken? And how can they afford to put my wife into a nursing home and that they cannot afford to put her down into the bed that she's been in? So it is a case, Kevin, you have like, I suppose an alternative has been put forward in that you've been offered respite beds in some of the nursing homes, but you haven't been given an explanation as to why this particular ward with the two respite beds that was, I suppose, given over during the pandemic to deal with the COVID situation. I'm, I'm, I'm on a carer's allowance. That's my only income. Well, I'm actually a half carer's now because I'm a pensioner now. But if I have to send my wife to a facility in Ballyhonas or Ballina, that's 23, 25 miles away every day mm-hmm. if I want to go and visit my wife. I'm 10 minutes away walking from where my wife normally would go and where she's comfortable and where she's known and where I won't be bringing her home out of a place depressed. You know what I'm saying? And why, why close this? when there's no need to close it. The, the, the HSE are telling okay. the pandemic is over. There's no need to have it closed any longer. There's no need for Mayo General Hospital to still have control of St. John's. Okay. Which is another 20 or 30 beds down there. And you get a counsellor here, like I have counsellor Kukine and counsellor Gavin, right? They're on the HSE forum. They ask questions about mm. why are these beds not opened. But they have to submit their questions seven days in advance oh, of the HSE meeting. Yeah. And, and it's a scriptive answer that keeps coming back all the time. I spoke to head person over, over these beds and she said that she would look into my wife's case. I discovered the following day she was gone on three weeks holiday. Kevin, would you mind, could you tell us maybe a little bit about your wife? You said that it happened, was it 10 years ago you said? 17th of December 2013. I was working in Scotland. My wife was here in Castlebar. I used to work 10 days on, four days off on the wind farms over there. Okay. And I was due to come home on the 18th. My wife rang me on the... We spoke to each other at around 6 o'clock on the 17th. And I was driving out of Glasgow. And halfway between Glasgow and home where I was living, I saw her name come up on the phone again and she told me she was on the floor and she couldn't get up. That was the start of it. She had had a brain hemorrhage. Then she had a stroke while she was being operated on in Beaumont for the brain hemorrhage. 
she's paralyzed on the left side. She's 80% damage on the right-hand side of her brain. She needs full-time care. As a matter of fact, one of the things they specified was continuity of care. So they, if they want me to send her somewhere where she possibly knows, knows nobody, if I want to get respite. What the HEC is actually going to do is they're going to put me into bad health. And then they'll have to do something for my wife. It doesn't make sense what they're at, and it definitely doesn't make sense that the two beds, two beds in the Sacred Heart Hospital, 10 minutes from where I live, are not open. just doesn't make sense to me or to anybody else I've spoken yeah. to. I've been in touch with Anne Rabbit, the minister. Uh, my local politicians have been in touch with her. Senator Paddy Burke has been in touch with her. Somebody is blocking these two beds from being opened. I just can't seem to get to the bottom okay. of the problem. Well, I, I, I'd certainly be very happy, Kevin, to, to send in um, a query here from ourselves in the show. Not that that might, you know, get any further answers for for you and the family, but I'm 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 certainly very happy to, to do that here. Well, I, talk, I talk to other people that are dependent on those two beds for a break. I'm not the only one in Tesla that's entitled to respite or that requires respite. But this is happening right around the country. And then we have politicians and ministers telling us, oh, the carers do a great job. Yeah, the carers do a great job. They haven't a clue what we do. They haven't a clue. And that is the bottom line of it. They haven't a clue what's involved in caring for somebody. You don't do it. We don't do this for the money. We don't. If you've done this for money, you may as well forget about it. You do it because you want to care for the person you care about, you know, you're married, you're, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter. That's why you do it. And, and, and uh, all we're asking is a break. Well, two weeks isn't much to ask, Kevin. Well, when you consider the amount of money that we save, this ready government and every other government that's been before us and ones one that's come after us, we're, we're, we're probably one of the worst treated people in this country, the carer. Care they tell you, they give you a respite grant come the 6th or the 9th of June or something. So the respite grant is spent to the carer before you even get <laughs> You'll have, you'll have bills racked up somewhere. Because if you were to live on a carer's allowance, forget about it. Kevin, I, I just in talking to you today, and and it's it's you know it's an incredibly difficult situation, and I, I really feel for you, and I know a lot of, a lot of listeners do as well. People talking about just in a, you know in many other parts of the country, I suppose that difficulty in in trying to access um, the respite oh, break mm-hmm. or respite service, whatever and you want to call it. You don't really understand that. You don't, that week, I'm not telling you that one week that you get a break. You might do a few jobs around the house that you can't do when, say, my wife is there now. Uh, if she was in respite, I might be able to get a room painted that I can't paint when she's here. Some, just small things like that. It, 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 and you recharge your batteries because you're not, at, you're not on the clock all day, every day for that week. Whereas when you're caring, there's t- a certain time of day for doing this, there's a certain time of day for doing that. You're watching your watch, you're looking at your phone. You know, it, 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 it's it's a tough job that nobody that nobody yeah. ever take it on. Yes. I took it on. I'm delighted I took it on. But as I'm getting older at it, and uh, I'm getting tired a lot quicker. But I keep doing it. I keep doing it. The two weeks respite mm. won't stop me doing it. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I know. But the two weeks respite would mean an awful lot. It would. And and these people, 
that are have to stay on us receiving those couple of weeks of respite. They haven't a clue either. They're doing it out of a book. Come and do it for reality and then see what it's like. And I guarantee to you that they will be gone on holidays a lot quicker than I would. It just doesn't make sense. Everybody's entitled to a break. But carers in this country don't get a break. They don't get a break from this government. I'm certainly sure they won't get one from the next one. And as I said, I have spoken to Anne Rabbit. Anne Rabbit was the minister in charge. And I heard Anne Rabbit on our local radio say last September that respite would be open by the end of September. Okay. The two beds in the Sacred Heart Hospital are still not open. Uh-huh. I've been in touch with Anne Rabbit. I've texted her. She's supposed to take up my case. I've never heard that. Okay. Well, we'll certainly get on to, to the Minister's office here as well. Kevin, look, I I, I, um, I, I really hope you, I really genuinely do hope you get you get, you know, some some resolution or you you know, you get sorted because it is your your it's an it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult uh, difficult job. I know it's it's full time and it's exhausting and I know from talking to you there today it's, it's obviously it's very rewarding as well for you and in, in caring for your wife, but none, nonetheless it's it's still in te- in terribly tough uh, job for sure and particularly if there's no break at all in, in the middle of it. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We just heard Kevin's story there about trying to access respite services for his wife um, who had a brain haemorrhage and a stroke 10, 10 years ago. Um, he, he usually gets, as he said, about two weeks respite every year. Hasn't been able to access that since COVID in the ward that he previously would have accessed it in in Castlebar in County Mayo and uh, he's wondering why. Um, lots of others now getting in touch, I suppose, in similar situations. Tracy is on the line as well. Tracy, are you struggling to access respite services? Uh, I've never been offered it, Andrea. Um, I've heard of it, but uh, it used to be a mystical thing because I cannot even get uh, nursing staff for my daughter in school. So I'm currently there every day with my daughter in school as well because she doesn't meet the criteria, which um, is a joke because Willow has full complex needs and every single part of her life has to be cared for by me. Um, so she is, you know, very complex, needs a nurse. She's really tricky. Um, anything can go pear-shaped in five minutes and um, somebody decided sitting at a desk that she doesn't meet the criteria to have nursing support in school not only am I her mum and her physio and her OT and her speech and language and her full-time care I'm also now her nursing school so respite <laughs> that word has never been offered to us never been offered um, and being a paediatric care I mean I'm very happy to look after my daughter but when you become a carer, it's like stepping on a roller coaster. It's up and down and it's at high speed. And you think, you know, oh, we're at this nice, easy pace and I might just get off on the platform for a minute. And then it just takes a nose. No day can ever be taken for granted. And the physical, emotional, mental, financial stress on a carer is huge. And none of this is seen. None of this is being accounted for. Not only you know, the the physical demands, we don't get full because it's means tested. So every single thing that you need to support that person you're caring for is a battle. I would love to actually have a conversation with the new CEO, Bernard Glasser, because I would love to know what the HSC is there for. Because anybody I speak to and any story you hear, if the HSC are hitting the walls, 
um, I have, you know, worked alongside Anne Robert, Joseph Madigan and Damien English in getting this school place together. We got a classroom built in my son's mainstream school, which everybody says will never happen. They were hugely supportive. But I know when it gets past time when we're going to the HSC, it's a disaster. The CDNT team, not fit for purpose. We've lost our fifth OT and Willow has just turned six. So every single thing for a carer is a constant battle. Mm. We are not appreciated in COVID. We were like shipped off of the desert island. Every single thing that a carer ever got was taken away. All our respite, all the financial support, all every single thing we weren't even up for PPE. We were the easy target. Let's take everything off this and put it somewhere else. And it hasn't come back. I know it we've was talked bad before. It's yeah. worse now. I, I know. I, I, I've, I've, I've spoken to you previously, Tracy, about um, access, you know, to services, and and it's something we've talked about on many occasions here in the program. How how difficult that journey is uh, for parents and and for people. And I suppose in the context of today, and just listening to Kevin's story, who got in touch with us in the show about you know trying to get a break, a week's break, respite service. But like as you say, that's something you've. You've never, never over the years been offered. And that. Andrea, that's something that any carer you talk to, you know, it's potluck. You're really just <clears throat> very lucky if you're offered that support. A lot of the time you're relying on, you know, charities to, to help you out. Um, you know, for children like the Laurel Lynn House, um, I don't know what's there for, for adults within regards to charities. But, you know, you're usually trying to fall into the, the group, you know, that's that, you're, the person you're caring for may be attached to and, and looking for outside resources for help because you know it's not just physical caring for the person it's, it's constant paperwork it's constantly chasing doctors GPs mm. appointments and you know respite is, is so vital especially for an older person caring for you know their wife or their spouse or their child I mean, you can only physically do so much. Well, that's, and, yeah, and the, the point you know, Kevin was was making earlier. Like, yeah. I mean, as he says, if, if something was to happen to him or in, you know, well, in, in, in it, time... You know, when the his... wheels fall off, it, who's it going to land back on? And this is, you know, the lack of foresight, you know, penny pinching, pound foolish. Do the HSC not realise the, the problem that they're building? It's going to be the clean-up after the storm. If a carer mm. can no longer care for that person, well, where does the responsibility fall on? Okay. It's going back to the state, um, you know. J- Jane is with us as well, Tracy, here on the line today. J- Jane, are you struggling to access respite services? Um, yeah, I suppose. Look, it, it's been part of the struggle for respite services amongst um, all other services. As Tracy has spoken about, and, and Kevin as well, uh, Andrea has been a part of my life for a long time. And unfortunately, I can see it being part of my life for a long time to come. But look at, I suppose, it's a background of my own family. Um, I'm a family carer. I'm, I'm a mother to three. Um, my daughter lives and works in Dublin. And I'm a family carer to my two sons, um, Evan, who's almost 23, and Daniel, who's now 19. Um, Evan has a profound intellectual disability. Um, he's autistic. He's non-verbal. He's quite a big, big man. Um, Andrea, he's six foot four. Very, very loving, but has mm. you know very high level of care needs. Would also have quite a lot of um, underlying health conditions, and he's partially sighted. He has just over fifty percent of his total vision. Um, would have no idea of his own safety. Would need constant super. He's actually uh, assessed by the HSE as requiring two people to look after him. 
Um, and then there's my younger son, Daniel, um, who's autistic and has intellectual disability, would also struggle most significantly, I suppose, since the pandemic with anxiety. Anxiety has become a huge part of Daniel's life. Um, and again, would need it. And again, a, a big man, he's six foot two. I'm actually the little one in the house now right. these days. But my husband um, tragically passed away, Andrea, um, eight and a half years ago I'm sorry um, to hear that, at 50 years of age. Um, he collapsed on our kitchen floor one morning with a, a massive cardiac arrest. Um, so, look, at he was a huge loss to us then. Yeah. He is still a loss to us every single day, being honest with you, Andrea, and particularly, you know, young people, my daughter, my, my two young sons as well. He was very involved in their care and very a- active in advocating for their rights and for their inclusion. Um, so, look, at I suppose, you know, in the time when my husband was alive, um, my daughter was 16, my older son was 14, and my younger son was 10 when he passed away. Very young. Um, so uh, during that time, I suppose, from when the two boys were diagnosed and when, when my husband passed away, we didn't have any respite, you know, at all. Um, you got nothing over, then, the, nothing over the years, Jen? Nothing over the years, no. Not in terms of respite. Not in terms of respite. And what I, about you know now, you see, I suppose, look, at the system very much works to serve the system rather than to support a family, you know. Um, and I suppose that's kind of, you know, as Tracy has said, a, a lot of carers will find that's a common theme. Um, I suppose, you know, and, and my every family situation is unique and every family situation should be looked at in, in, in that unique perspective mm. and services and support should be given based on need but as well the way the system works is you know Evan and Daniel at one point were in children's respite together and after their dad died they had one night per month um respite that stopped when Evan when Evan um, reached 18 because he was no longer in children's services he moved to adult services um but that left Daniel in in um children's services so Evan then when he turned 18 and look at I know Evan has been brilliant. By goodness, he, he has needed it. There are people who, who don't have it with Evan's level of disability. Evan would get 20 nights per year now respite. Um, when Daniel was a child, he was getting four nights per year. Um, so, look, at Daniel is now out of children's services and in adult services. And I'm still waiting to secure adult respite services um, for, for him for, uh, for you know, in, in, even though he's been accepted to a service we haven't had the service rolled out so I suppose him. Andrea we're almost nine years now and I love those boys and my daughter and you know I always say my husband is, is right behind us as well but there is an awful lot expected from family carers in this country. Well, like you're caring so, for 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 two, um, you know, for for two two men, like Evan and, and Daniel, at twenty three and, and mm-hmm. nineteen. But like you you could you could ask today, Jane, who cares for the carer? Well, you see, this is it, Andrea, and there are five hundred thousand um, family carers in Ireland, and would you believe providing nineteen million unpaid unpaid care? hours um, to the state, to the, to the most vulnerable people we have in the state, 19 million um, care hours provided each week. And that's saving the state 
20 billion every single year. Yeah, sure, now, family parents like myself, like Kevin, like the other 500 that are out there, we look after the people that we look after because we love them. And that love is something that should be valued and cherished by the state. And I don't think it's unreasonable that family carers should get a holiday, should get a break, mm. the same as everybody else, um, so that we can continue to do what we do. I yeah. mean, if something was to happen to me, there would be an immediate crisis for Evan and Daniel, and their lives would just spiral. And there is no plan for that. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it really, really is important that families are viewed on an individual basis mm. and that the family carer is supported to yeah. continue. Oh, I couldn't, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Jane. Like it's in listening to your story and Tracy's story and, and Kevin's story as well, just a little earlier. I know there's other people as well now getting in touch with us too about this. Like it, I mean, like it's, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think two weeks is an awful lot to ask at all, like even a week. But certainly you could imagine the state could could somehow scramble together two weeks, you would think, for the carers of the country. I mean, just like who who's caring for the carers, for Jane and, and, and Tracy and Kevin as well. I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, it's pretty incredible, I suppose, the fight that constantly exists for, for so many carers out there across the country today. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.